welcome to episode 9, uh, the penultimate episode in season 1 of the Bowtie and Bondi podcast. Thank you again for joining us this week. This week, Katie and I are honoured to be joined by Sean Cleaver, an IT teacher and head of year at Crestwood Community School. And she's going to be bringing a scientific article to discuss and ask us questions about this week. Of course, there's the usual lame science jokes, facts of the week, and general chit-chat you all know and love. Welcome back, Katie. Hello there. How are you this week? I'm really good, thank you. Oh, How about yourself? Uh, yeah, yeah, not too bad, not so bad. A little warm, but I'm loving the weather, absolutely loving it. Yeah, very, very hot today. Uh, so we've got an extra guest with us today. Do you want to introduce our guest this week, Katie? Yes, I have invited the uh, head of year eight on the Sherboard campus of Crestwood School, uh, Miss Sean Cleaver, to join us today. Welcome, Sean. Hello, how are you both so, doing? Awesome, thank you. Yeah. How about you? How's your week been? Yeah, it's actually not been too bad. The weather's been lovely, but unfortunately I haven't really had much chance to get out in the weather. Um, done a bit of fishing for a first in a long, long time, but not actually spent much time in the garden. So I'm looking forward to half term next week. And you've been getting into quite a few lessons with your lovely year group, haven't you, as well? Yeah, they're absolutely a diamond year group. I love them. So they it's really amazing. nice to see them in lessons, engaging. Um, they're also actually responding to my emails. Every sort of once a week, I'm doing a little video email um, to them because I personally, like, I find it more fun rather than typing it over the, over and over again. So um, I've been recording a little message and sending it to them, but I've been putting in weird things like riddles and stuff, and they've been re- um, giving me back the uh, result- responses, and it's been really great. Oh, aren't you lovely? <laughs> Sounds great. Right then, so uh, what have you been up to this week, Katie? Uh, well, I've just been dossing around on YouTube, really, and oh, I saw a really cute video, actually, uh, of some dolphins in Australia, because they're really missing the interactions with the tourists. They're starting to bring up uh, what people are calling gifts of, like, coral and things to close to the shore to try and get some attention, which I thought was really sweet. Oh, um, wow. oh and actually, speaking of coral, uh, if you remember, I did a coral bleaching uh, episode one or two, uh, well, yeah. this isn't my article, but they've actually come up with a potential fix for it. They've modified some algae that they that can work in warmer waters, and they're injecting it into the coral. So hopefully, the coral reef will survive. Wow. <laughs> How about you? What have you been doing this week? Um, work. <laughs> <laughs> lots of work. <laughs> yeah, lots of work um, in prep for possibly a reopening after half term, maybe. Um, but yeah, outside of that, mainly just playing um, Red Dead Redemption Two, um, and yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. Really, been staying up late every night playing playing video games. That's so a great not, game, not... though. To be fair, it is. It's amazing. It's <laughs> so so good. I have, so, to, so good. I have to admit, I've started playing Fortnite, and I quite <gasps> like it. Oh my goodness! Uh... You're just trying to get. <laughs> Okay, right. So um, we've all got articles we're going to talk about. So Katie, you're going to go first this week. What's your article? I am. So uh, I've been looking at something that actually started quite a long time ago, but they've only recently published some findings from it uh, because there's been more research conducted into the unusually large eruptions of a volcano in Hawaii, uh, Kilauea. I hope I pronounced that correctly. It's spelled K-I-L-A-U-E-A, Kilauea, I'm sure it is. Uh, which is on Hawaii's big islands. 
So for those of you that don't know, volcanoes usually form along fault lines on the Earth's tectonic plates. Uh, they are like the puzzle pieces of dirt that make up the Earth's surface and they appear on these lines. So there won't be a random volcanic eruption in England because we're not on the edge of a plate, so don't worry. Uh, but when two plates push together, one plate will be pushed down into the Earth and become the magma, creating more of a pressure. So a volcano will form close to the join there. Or when two plates move apart from each other, it leaves a gap where magma can escape. So a volcano could have formed there. But Hawaii or the Hawaiian Islands are a little bit unusual because they are actually in the middle of the Pacific plate. So no collisions. But it is over a very weak point of the Earth's crust where magma can seep through and forms the islands, which is highly unusual. Anyway, I digress. So in 2018, uh, Kilauea opened 24 new cracks and shot fountains of lava 50, sorry 80 meters into the air with enough lava released in three months that it usually releases in between 10 and 20 years so a huge increase in activity so scientists funnily enough were wondering why and they now believe or some people believe that it was due to an increase in rainfall so the rain caused a volcanic eruption how strange is that something really lovely mm. and safe causing something very very dangerous and devastating well uh, you wouldn't think it because one one is like the, the complete opposites exactly. on the rain is generally cold and wet and lava is very hot and uh, so you wouldn't really think that one would cause the other exactly but it's because of that uh, difference that it actually caused the eruptions so the rain is thought to have seeped through the grounds into the magma chamber which would then create additional pressure because the rainwater would then turn into steam which would create the additional pressure which in turn caused the cracks allowing the magma to escape so some people are questioning the findings because they're not quite confirmed they don't really line up with the data from the hawaiian volcano observatories but they do agree that cracks are likely to have formed because of the pressure buildup uh, and that the pressure buildup is what's being questioned. So was it caused by rain or was it caused by something else? So there's a team in Poland actually preparing a response to these findings. So I'll be interested to see what they say when that comes out. But if it was caused by pressure from rainfall, does that mean Kilauea will continue with this uh, higher activity? And um, what would that mean for Hawaii's big island? Was it caused by climate change? Is it just going to get worse? There's just so many questions with this that we can't really answer yet. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it must be quite unsettling for anyone who lives there. Exactly. And it is the big island as well. It's the main island of Hawaii where lots of the population is and it is a, one of the most beautiful places in the world I cannot wait to visit uh, but Kilauea is going to have to stop erupting so that people can go there and the uh, it, yeah, all yeah. the earth can recover from all the magma yeah. there's some amazing pictures on the article I'm just looking at the lava, lava flow going to cutting across the countryside it looks beautiful but terrifying yeah. in the same and for anyone area. interested in volcanoes some of the most amazing volcanoes I personally find are the underwater volcanoes. If you look on YouTube for underwater volcano, it's amazing because obviously the hot magma instantly boils the water from the sea. So you get these huge plumes of uh, steam just going up through the ocean. It's amazing. Yeah, I've always had a bit of thing for like Yellowstone and super oh, volcanoes. Yep. But, uh, yeah, that's, that's maybe that's a story for another podcast. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Okay, great. So, Sean, our guest this week, what article do you bring to the table today? Um, I bought an article which would seem really odd from an IT teacher um, about butterflies. Um, 
The article uh, titles actually says, here's how a butterfly's wings keep cool in the sun. Um, and from that article, I was getting an understanding of how butterflies actually use their wings to cool them down on a hot day. Very apt for this sort of weather. <laughs> mm, definitely. Mm. Um, what I read from the article was, um, obviously, you have to excuse my lack of science knowledge here, but um, the wings um, have basically two different parts and they're, they're broken down into living parts and dead parts. And the living parts of the wings have the veins and the blood um, to keep the insect alive. Um, and then the body temperature is controlled through their wings, which helps their ability to fly. So it did bring some questions to my mind, and I thought they would be pretty useful for them to kind of ask you guys, seeing as you're the science expertise here. Please um, do. So um, my first one was um, just a general uh my general thinking process was, well, how does a butterfly hold its body weight during flight if their wings are so thin? Lots of people think that, actually, because like when you catch a butterfly, for instance, some of the scales from the wings fall off on you, which, by the way, you should never do. Please don't try and catch butterflies. Uh, but <laughs> uh, it's all to do with their wingspan, basically, because their wings span so wide it makes it a lot easier for them to carry themselves. If you think about small birds, they have small birds' wings, large birds, large wingspan, et cetera, et cetera. It works very much the same way. But it's also the way that butterflies actually move their wings. They do not move them up and down like a bird, but they sort of move more like a wave, which pushes the air particles along and away from them, allowing them to lift. Also, bear in mind that butterflies don't actually have bones so their bodies will automatically be lighter they do have a protective outer cover but if you like uh, a exoskeleton that's the word uh, but essentially they don't have bones so they will be lighter anyway so the thinner win wings will allow them to fly that's pretty cool it's um, very cool if you watch a youtube video of a butterfly fly the way that they move their wings is really unique yeah, I suppose you could probably, I, I imagine there's been a fair few documentaries on butterflies. And if you sort of had, there's probably some slow motion videos there that yes. you can really look at, which is pretty cool, actually. Absolutely. Um, thank you for that. No worries. Uh, I, I do have like five more questions. That's fine. Please ask them. <laughs> um, so, again, uh, these are all science related because I thought, well, actually, if many of my year eights are listening, they'll probably find this fascinating as well. Um, if their if their body temperature affects their flight, which according to this article it does, um, does does their body temperature um, have something to do with producing their energy? So, um, like us, we need energy to move and be active. Um, is that very similar to what a butterfly has? Uh, well, I'm not an expert on butterflies, but it's not beyond the realms of comprehension to say yes, because temperature affects enzymes and chemical reactions within the body. And once they're at the correct temperature, they work faster. It's called the optimum temperature. Uh, and just like we humans, we have an internal temperature. But things like reptiles, they don't create their own internal temperature. They need to use the sun, for instance, to warm up, which is why snakes and lizards and things, you have to have a heat lamp. Uh, in order for them to warm up their bodies and get their energy. So it probably does help them to get their energy for flight, actually. 
Yeah. Yeah, it says it says in the article about um they they need they need the temperature to make sure their muscles in their thorax can move well enough because if the muscles in the thorax can't move then they can't flap their wings fast enough to take off so they need that warmth from the air around them um to transfer that uh, warmth to the muscles to allow the muscles to to contract fast enough to move their wings okay so i guess like a human being if they had um you know they we've all got muscles to move to allow us movement and if they were cold they would tense maybe likely to cramp so is that very much like us in a sense of their their thorax needs to be almost relaxed enough to be able to yeah, in a in a roundabout kind of way. Yeah, very good. See, I'm not a very I'm not a very good scientist, so I'm I'm using. That's okay. You're, here, you're learning <laughs> stuff. We want, we want people to learn. <laughs> um, we got one one more question, Charlie. Yeah, one more. So, um, oh, this is tricky. Um, I, I I'm going to go with this one. So moths. What is the difference then between a moth and a butterfly? Uh, well, they're very much the same structure wise, but uh, butterflies, they rest with their wings closed. Moth moths rest with them open. Uh, one's nocturnal, the other one's not. So uh, moths are nocturnal. Uh, butterflies, their an antennae is really long and thin, whereas moths have more feathery ones. Uh, and there's difference in their metamorphosis stage as well. So butterflies have a hard, smooth chrysalis, but moths have a silk covered cocoon. Uh, usually butterflies are brighter colours as well, whereas moths are darker ones. Uh, that may be to do with absorbing uh, different amounts of heat because the bright colours will absorb a different amount of light to the darker ones, which would then create the energy needed for their flight. Oh. Yeah, it's also, um, if to evolutionary speaking, butterflies actually evolved from a moth ancestor. So moths are the more ancient oh. lineage in, in geological times. So but butterflies are a, a descendant branch on the tree of life from, from um, moths. Oh, wow. Didn't know that. Yeah. Thank you for answering those questions. Ah, oh, thank you. Kev, what's your article? Right. Uh, yeah. So um, uh, this was sent to me by an ex-colleague of mine who I used to work with in, a, in another school. She's been listening to the podcast. And she she sent this to me and said this would be because it's it's local and quite interesting. So it's all about um, it's, University of Southampton um, is, is one of the prestigious universities in this country. It's always on the forefront of, of science and technology. And it's currently working on um, and has been working on for quite some time a drone project to build very efficient, very lightweight, very cheap drones that can travel huge distances and carry huge amounts of weight. So they've been um, they've been focusing their research mainly to focus on on humanitarian aid, so delivering humanitarian aid to hard to reach places, to monitor and, and assess forest fires, and also linking to your article, Katie, to look at volcanic activity where it's difficult for people to get to due to the eruptions. They can send these drones in. So uh, three research projects at Southampton University have been undergoing, and they've uh, created a groundbreaking new um, unmanned aerial vehicles, or UAVs. And this particular one is called ULTRA, and that's sort of a, a abbreviation of unmanned low-cost transport. 
and it's the heaviest non-military UAV. It weighs about 350 kilos, and it's powered by an industrial engine and can fly for a 1,000 kilometers a time at up to speeds of 100 kilometers per hour. It's really, really cheap to build and maintain, so it's really good for like where there isn't a lot of money and charities need them or whatever. So it's been being developed by five postdoctoral engineer, engineers led by Professor Jim Scalan. And um, where this also links into is some, the same university, Southampton, has also been using this drone and their drone projects currently with the COVID-19 crisis to see about dropping medical supplies to the Isle of Wight much faster than getting there perhaps oh. by ferry. Do you know what? I've not even thought about how the so, Isle of Wight are dealing with all of this. Yeah. So they, you know, their, their medical supply chain is limited due to the time. You know, have to get on a ferry and get it across, and obviously, you know, illness and social distancing. That's all a little bit difficult. So they've been using this drone to drop in thing. This has huge implications for the for long term you know, in the future in terms of accessing hard to reach places, dropping off medical supplies, even down to things like Amazon are really interested in this because they're heavily into their drone research for delivery. Um, delivering parcels without people you know dropping your parcels off at your house with a drone that type of thing so there's a huge amount of um research being done just around the corner from us at Samantha university so i thought that was really really interesting uh, and they've also got undergraduates working on a project projects as well so that's really exciting because you know undergraduates we we, we send a few of them to mm-hmm. Southampton university so yeah, it's really, really interesting stuff, and and local to us Amazing. as well. So Southampton could be the first ones to have Amazon delivery by drone. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe <laughs> I'm not sure whether it worked that way, but it'd be cool. It'd probably be somewhere, maybe maybe a little less, maybe a little less populated for the initial trials, in case it falls out of the sky and crashes. That's what I was thinking. I wonder how many but... people would trust it. I think they are trialling it already, I think, with, with smaller drones. This this thing's quite big. I mean, I'm looking at the pictures of this drone. This is effectively a, a sort of aircraft, airplane, unmanned airplane, oh, rather wow. than a kind of drone you imagine. <laughs> yeah. no, it's, not, it, it's probably, looking at the scale of the picture, it's probably about eight metres wingspan and maybe maybe six metres in length, this, wow. this drone. Okay. Um, but, but still, still, the ability of this thing to be cheap, low cost, and easy to maintain makes it incredibly useful for things perhaps where drone technology has been out of reach before. Yeah, yeah. and that would be really I good that's really cool. for, the, for the Isle of Wight. That would be really amazing. Like if the uh, COVID nineteen happened in the winter, obviously sometimes the ferries don't even run, do they? So that could be even worse. So yeah, oh, yeah. so yeah. It has, has a lot of yeah, potential. Yeah, I had this um, idea when you were just describing that to me. Um, again, technology brain on now. Um, the idea of uh, perhaps if these drones become very reliable, they, that 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 efficiently they will be able to send things like um, blood to hospital quicker because they won't be caught up in the traffic trying yeah. to get where it needs to go. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, think about like um, when they need to get hearts for yeah. transplants and things. They send them yeah. by bike, and that you know, bikes bikes faster than car, but it's still limited by the ground and the roads and the, yeah. the traffic conditions. So you could you just stick it on a drone and just take it from one place to another. And the distance the distance this thing can cover, you know, thousand kilometers. That that's more than enough between distance between most hospitals. God, potentially, country, that so. can save so many lives. That one piece of technology. Yeah. Wow. Uh, yeah, and obviously extra exciting because it's our local Absolutely university. So awesome. Super cool. All right. 
Name size, jokes time. So, time for super science jokes. <laughs> uh, right, here we go. Okay. Uh, I'm not sure whether, Sean, you're going to get these <laughs> at all. Um, let, let's see. Okay, so a, a photon checks into a hotel and is asked if he needs any help with his luggage. He says, no, I'm travelling oh. late. <laughs> I got that one. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to scroll down to my other one. This, one. this one's an old one. I've heard this before. Um, it's, it's, okay, ready? So anyone know any jokes about sodium? <laughs> nah. <laughs> oh, very good. No, they're not very good. Don't yeah, encourage very good. I like jokes like that. <laughs> oh, no, I do love that section. I right, that I've, completely, I've got to I've got to big up uh, a student at our school, uh, Amber Vernon, who um, emailed me this week with um, this amazing piece, this amazing article that she had written um, about something quite obscure, actually, that I was only vaguely I had a kind of I've heard about it before, but hadn't didn't have any real understanding about it and she's she's done uh, a lot of research and, and produced this really detailed kind of almost mini essay about uh, a, a compound called perfluorocarbons and i'm not going to go into too much detail um if you're interested any listeners out there just google google per per fluorocarbon and and you'll find out all you need but it's a really interesting basically it's a liquid that allows you to breathe under in the liquid so it's a liquid that contains ox- enough oxygen that you can breathe whilst under the water. Wow. So, uh, yeah, and there's videos on YouTube of um, um, like a mouse in this liquid alive, just happily going about this business in this, in this beaker, large beaker, just swimming about just without drowning it's 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 really incredible but they were also invented <clears throat> as a replacement for um <clears throat> excuse me chloro chlorofluorocarbons those uh, cfc's that were used in refrigeration and aerosol cans in the in the 80s and 90s that were ripping a great big hole the in the ozone layer just dispose of your fridge. So they were developed yeah, yeah, they were developed as a replacement for those, but they also have this side effect of being basically a breathable liquid, which is which is amazing. If you've ever seen a, the film The Abyss, um, they they use a similar um, liquid when they uh, that might be maybe a bit ancient for you guys. I don't I don't know, but um, The Abyss is a film where they they basically go deep underwater and they they they're in their their diving suits and the diving suits fill up with with water and it's like they like they're drowning but after a second they're able to breathe inside this the liquid that's inside their their tanks so kind of when I was reading the article that was the first thing that came to mind there so thank you Amber that was a really amazing piece of work and um really interesting to read so yeah keep up the hard work and keep finding about all yeah, this well, amazing information what's great is that she's also in my year group so that makes me excellent excellent okay right so amazing science fact of the week Okay, Katie, fact so, of the week. So, my fact of the week this week was inspired by my lovely cockapoo, Poppy. Uh, I've got to try and get her in pretty much every week, so now into the podcast somehow. Uh, <laughs> so, all too often, late at night, I let her out into the garden to do her business, and she takes 
ages. She just walks around in circles. Well, it turns out that there's actually a reason for this because dogs prefer to align their spines with the north-south axis of the Earth's magnetic field before they do their business. That is so strange. That's incredible. It is like I had I have no idea that dogs are able to sense. I know that birds can, but dogs able to sense the Earth's magnetic field is is a complete shock to me when I heard this. Like, it's, yeah, it's, it's really incredible. strange. They've um, the reason that they know that this is actually a thing is because they've uh, studied uh, lots of petrified poop basically through all the way back to effectively the caveman days. Forgive my terminology there Mr Neil uh, and they worked out that actually yeah all dogs do prefer to have a poo on the north south axis of the earth so, so their, their, their poos are orientated yeah. north south when yeah. they, yeah, so if when you are ever out. lost Incredible. and you need to find north That's just right. find a dog poo <laughs> <laughs> awesome so thanks for that Katie amazing um so uh, this week, what I've I've already talked about how I've been entertaining myself um, this week, mainly with video games, and um, <laughs> that's it basically. Uh, so how have, you been, how have you been entertaining yourself this week apart from? Um, uh, YouTube, I've been Casey? continuing reading my book Wool by uh, Hugh Howie. It's on Audible and it's on um, Kindle. That's how we actually published it was self-published on Kindle, and it's amazing. Highly recommend. Uh, and I've been practicing my flute. I've been trying really hard to get the high notes because the keys are all the same but you've got to change the way you breathe and it's actually so much more difficult than i thought it would be but i'm getting there i'm getting there yeah yeah i, I take my hat off to you it's, not, it's an incredible skill to play a musical instrument what about you sean what how, how have you been entertaining um, yourself one thing fortnight please don't yell at me <laughs> Um, I have talked to my cat, Lucky, and those people who know Lucky, he's an indoor cat. I've taught him well, and now he's on a lead, so I can now walk my cat. Oh, my goodness. Um, yeah. I'm very impressed with myself. I love it. That, that's, that's amazing. Oh, God, I'd love to get a take He's got a little harness with little fish on him. Um, he wears bow ties as well, so if you ever get to meet him, yeah. Oh, that's that's good. That's, he's that's, a very that's classy man, I like tell you now. Um, and what else <laughs> have I been doing? Um, during lockdown, I've kind of been decorating the house in bits and pieces, but um, really this week has kind of been one of those mad weeks where I've had to kind of organise my life a bit. So um, my wedding's been pushed back to next year, as most people know. Um, so we've had to be doing a lot of phone yeah. calls and paperwork for that. Um, I'm also studying a master's, so I really need to get this 8,000-word assignment done as it's due in July. And um, where we've been put in isolation, it's very difficult to get my mind focused on it. Mm. Um um, I'm doing education in, well-being. Yeah, so um, okay, it's really sure. interesting because I get to look at student psychology quite a lot um, and sociology. Um, the assignment I'm actually looking at at the moment is a project which I could make up myself. Um, I didn't really have to choose one. Um, and I'm looking at actually students' influences on their behaviour. Mm. Um, so you know what okay. what makes a child act the way they do so I'm looking at that side of things at the moment it is really interesting sounds it and mm, see students learning doesn't just stop at school keep on learning nope. into your adulthood 
Yeah, all the way through. All right, thank you very much. Right, so um, uh, our last week, after successfully discussing the rankings of the Star Wars films, I posed a question on our Instagram page, uh, the Bowtie Podcast. Um, where where do you rank the Doctors? Now, are you into Doctor Who, um, Sean? Kind you of, Who? Bit, in a bit, bit in and out. So um, I like, I've like i watched some series all the way through. Um, I've watched bits of others. So who's your favourite? Who would you say your favourite oh, Doctor um, is? Mine, I've got to say David Tennant, to be mm. fair. And I know that's really like controversial. I know some people are like, no, he's rubbish. Um, um. But he had me in one of his first oh, lines. I think he's quite popular. Um, he mentioned The Lion King in one of his first episodes, and, <laughs> and that's where I kind of fell in love with it, really. <laughs> Easily influenced. <laughs> right, so uh, it, it, it was a popular post on Instagram with quite a few comments on, on there. I, I put my ranking on there, so I, I put that mine would be the 11th Doctor, Matt Smith would be my first by a country mile. I'm, I'm, think he's absolutely brilliant then yeah. then david tennant uh followed by peter capaldi um and then christopher eccleston and then jodie whittaker at last but i mean not for any fault of jodie's i think she's a wonderful doctor i just think her the, the writing around her current two seasons have been has been pretty poor so i think she as a doctor is wonderful and i'm really glad they've gone down the female route because i think it, it needed that change but her story so far have, and the writing in her episodes has, mm. has been pretty abysmal so that's why she's at the bottom of my ranking um so but there was a lot of others so someone someone called their, their, their username was couldn't find enough names said that their ranking was exactly the same as mine so uh, maybe a bit of a cop out there but yeah they said it was 11 10 12 9 13 uh chloe uh, dot xiv said mine would have to be 11 13 10 12 and 9 so that's matt smith um jody whittaker david tennant peter capaldi and christopher eccleston a lot of people struggle with Chris Rexton at the ranking because he was only in it for one season, so he didn't get a chance to really prove himself as much. But I think, yeah, I think he yeah, had a lot going for him. him. Uh, Ethan Cook one one seven said probably ten first. So agreeing with you there, uh, Sean and Katie Matt uh, with David Tennant there, followed by Matt Smith, um, then Chris Rexton, then Peter Crowley. But he hasn't really seen much of Jodie Whittaker, so he can't really rank her. Um, he's also a big fan of the old Doctor Who, so Tom Baker and John Pertwee, which is all amazing stuff. Uh, and, and Nathan5426 says 12, so putting Peter Capaldi first, which is a rarity, not many people put first, but I think he's got a lot of fans. Then then David Tennant, then Matt Smith, then Jodie Whittaker, and then uh, Christopher Eccleston. So some interesting opinions there, and there's no real right and wrong because everyone finds different things they like in each of the Doctors. Um, and I've been really pleased that so many people have sort of jumped on board and given me their views on that. So thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, cool story about yeah. Doctor Who. Yeah. Um, my uh, dad, um, dis- well, he designs fire and security alarms. And when Doctor Who's uh, um, sort of studios were set in Cardiff Bay, um, I used to get free entry. <gasps> Did you meet anyone? Um, no, I didn't get to oh, meet anyone. Well. I could go in there at any time to have a look around. So when it get when it kept getting updated, it was like something to do. <laughs> it's really uh-huh. nice. You're, you're on about yes, the Doctor yeah. Who experience thing. Yeah, yeah, I went there. I, I, I 
like it was due to close and I thought I've got to get there before it closed so I took it was just before my daughter was born so I took my son up there and my wife and we went in there and it was it was incredible and I also went to went to the exhibition same thing but when it was in London as well because yeah. before it moved to Cardiff it was in London and that when it was in London it was David Tennant and when it moved to um Cardiff it was Matt Smith and then it Right. went to peter capaldi and the inter in, the interactivity of it yeah. was brilliant it was so good and all the all the it was so popular it's a shame yeah. it's just now an empty building where it won't yeah it's gone and yeah i heard rumors they might be bringing a new one to manchester or or somewhere up north because they, that's i think up north is where they film um the new season so they might bring a doctor experience up north based around jody whittaker but we'll, we'll have to see um there's nothing concrete about that but yeah awesome stuff right okay so thank no you very problem. much for joining us sean this week much appreciated and thank you always Katie a pleasure for input. and i will see you guys later Bye. take care bye So thank you for joining us again this week on the Bowtie and Blondie podcast. Hope you'll join us again next week for the final episode in the current season. Please don't forget to check us out on Instagram. Join and follow on there and post comments and and ask questions and interact with us. We we love all that. Until then, stay safe and take care. Bye-bye.